beautiful people and welcome back to another episode of Wildcard Conversations, my little podcast where I pull random cards with thought-provoking questions for my wonderful guests. I am your host Katja Bavendam and I am so grateful for the diverse group of friends, acquaintances and strangers who come on here with open hearts and minds. What they all have in common is that they have wisdom to share, knowledge to drop, stories to tell and I am so happy to hold space for them, listen to them, sing their praises, cry and laugh with them, and share a little bit of myself as we go along. On today's episode, I am joined by my bestie's fiancé, Stefan Mitchell, who is just a well-rounded, quality human being and a great conversationalist. Stefan talks about how leaning into difficult times and taking risks has made him a resilient person, about people doing the best they can with what they know, about designing a future life centered around freedom and fulfillment, and surrounding himself with different people who are open to learning from each other. We ponder the paradox of having free will while having faith in a higher power. We talk about listening to your gut, trusting it, and making decisions from there. The pressure of feeling like we all have to find our purpose, and that being amplified by social media, and so much more. Stefan flipped the script on me a couple of times and asked me some questions, so you'll hear my voice a bit more today than in previous episodes. If you want more of Stefan, his Instagram handle is in the show notes, but ladies, remember, he's my bestie's fiancé, so those DMs are officially closed. As always, I thank you so much for listening, and I hope you find joy or value or both in this conversation. If you want to support the show and help it grow, Please subscribe, follow, leave ratings and reviews, and tell all your friends about it. And now it's time for you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Stefan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. And as always, I like to give the listeners a little overview or background of how we know each other. So you're obviously my best friend, sister from another mister, fiance. Still not married yet. I don't know what you're waiting for, but that's another story. And I've always appreciated you, one, for loving my best friend well and respecting her and treating her well because she hasn't always gotten that in the past. And I also just appreciate you for being a well-rounded guy. And it's funny because you just, before we started recording, kind of gave me that compliment of how I'm just like a well-rounded person who likes to do a lot of different interesting things. And when I think of you, I think the same thing of you, like you can kind of step into any room and, and be home in that room and have a conversation. So I'm excited to have you and thank you for being here. Thank you. I appreciate it. A little nervous, but I'm just going to do my best to <laughs> so, just be transparent and see where this goes. Yeah, don't be nervous. We're all doing our best here. So you know the concept by now, right? Like I pulled a random card with a thought-provoking conversation starter type of question. And I think this is going to be good for you. I think this is what you're all about. So are you ready for your question? Sure. Okay. So what are you doing right now that your future self will thank you for? Mm, that's a great, great, great question. I think there's several directions to go with this question. So I'll speak professionally first. As you know, I work with kids. So I'm a school psychologist here in uh, South Florida. So I guess my future self would thank myself or with the work I'm doing today, because it's very important for me to um, provide representation in the schools for men, especially men of color. Education is predominantly women. It's like 90% women. Uh, men are, are few and far between, hard to find. So it's impactful for me. It's important for me making meaningful connections with the kids. Every chance I get, I mean, let me step back. For me, the reason I am where I am today is partly due to one conversation I had with the guy when I was in high school. Without going on a deep uh, tangent, that just taught me the importance of interactions and just giving somebody a little gift of positivity or encouragement because it could change the, the entire trajectory of a person's life. So I think my future self will thank myself for the contributions that I'm making today and the work that I'm putting in today and what it will mean for the families and, and the people that I'm uh, working with today. So professionally, I think that's what I'll be grateful for and thankful for um, in the future. And personally, I'm very, very motivated to build generational wealth. I mean, I didn't come from much. Um, my parents didn't leave anything behind. Both of them are now not no longer with us. So rest in peace. 
But legacy is important. And I really want to build generational wealth so that even if I'm not going to have children of my own, which I hope that we will, but even if that doesn't happen, that all of the kids that come behind us will have an extra leg up. They'll have the luxury of making mistakes and they'll have a blueprint to follow and they could take what we've done to the next level. So those are the two things that I think that I would thank my current self in the future for is laying that foundation for my family with my investments and also the work that I'm doing in schools. So what are some of the things that you're doing right now that will contribute to this generational wealth? Personally, I've always been into real estate. So I remember like when I was growing up, my stepfather used to always talk about buying multi-unit buildings and renting them out to Section A because the money's guaranteed, the government always pays, and it's just a way to create passive income and let your assets you know, grow while somebody else is paying for them and, you know, build that cash flow. So that's exactly what I'm working on. I mean, we're in a position right now where we could buy two properties right now today, but because of inflation, it just doesn't make sense. So right now we're just being patient, watching the market, saving money, building that credit up as high as we could possibly get so we can get the best deals that are out there. And then our goal is to go out and buy a couple of multi-unit properties, one for her, one for myself, and then we kind of start from there and then just make some mistakes, spend some money, lose some money. That's how it's going to go. But then take those lessons and just build from there. Right. And I obviously understand why someone would want to build generational wealth. But I also know that you're not a guy that necessarily cares that much about material things in life. So I'm interested to sort of hear the deeper meaning behind that motivation. No, it's true. I, I mean, I like nice things. I don't care about them. So, you know, I can go spend my money and travel and do nice things, fancy restaurants, trips. I could do that, but I don't need any of it. But for me, it's more about freedom. So me, I'm at a space of the last maybe decade where I've really been big on designing the life that I want. I've tried different careers and I haven't been afraid of changing and uh, switching up my plans because I'm searching for peace and fulfillment. Like those are the two most important things for me, peace and fulfillment. So I know that by building generational wealth, I'm going to afford myself more peace and fulfillment because I can do something that's going to provide me freedom, time, where I can spend my energy with who I want, how I want. And I can't do that when I have to worry about the bills being paid or, or living check to check. You just can't do it. It's unfortunate. I mean, Jay-Z, come on. He said, how can I help the poor if I'm one of them? I, to me, I get money and give back to me. That's the real win. So, real win, win. So for me, the deepest meaning is I want to empower not only myself, but even your best friend. So I think about her. I don't want her to feel like she has to work. So she's 60. I think the way that the we're all kind of conditioned here in, in America, especially is that we have to work hard, find a good career, get a pension, invest in a 401k. And then when you're 70, when you have about five good years, if you're lucky, now you can enjoy your life. I'm really big on if we do the right things now while we're young, yes, we have to make some sacrifices, but we could live a good bulk of our life exactly the way we want it. So I'm thinking not only about myself, I'm thinking about her. I'm thinking about her mother. I'm thinking about my family, knowing that unfortunately, you know, we hear advice from people all the time, but if they don't have anything to show us, it's like in one ear and out the other. So I know what needs to be done and I can tell people, but I feel like a lot of people won't get the message and get on board until I do it. So that's another motivation for me is to just jump out there and do it. No, I hear that. And I do want to reflect something back that you said, which I wish I would have included in my little introduction. You mentioned sort of the last 10 years, it's been a period of you being paycheck to paycheck and pivoting and just the the willingness and the ability to always jump into something new and to just say, you know, effort onto the next one. I think that's an ability that not everyone has, myself included, probably. So thank you for the inspiration. But I've seen you and Margie over the last 10 years, trying so many different new things and always just being like, okay, well, that didn't work. And so now to see you guys, you know, like you said, at a place where you're just waiting for the right moment to jump into real estate and really start building for the future. It's just really cool to see. So I'm happy for you guys and inspired. Thank you. Thank you. But um, I think it's important to speak to how, at least for me, I think Margie's adopted some of my philosophy just by being around me and taking her own risks. Like, you know, she's taken huge risks in our relationship that I think she's grown from. But for me, 
I think I, in some of my situations in life, and I think we all have different cards that were dealt, right? So it's not going to be the same for everyone. But for me, I didn't have the luxury of a stable situation growing up. There was a lot of like adversity and uncertainty, and I couldn't dwell on what I wanted it to be. I just had to kind of deal with what was happening. And then after being able to do it, and then, like I said, I left the house right after high school. I had to move away from my mental health, but also just to give myself a fair shot at having a future. And I think those that risk was like the beginning is like training, building that muscle for resilience and like risk taking and being comfortable, being uncomfortable was taking that risk. And then, you know, I was at a crossroads. I did 10 years in the Air Force and most of the people that were telling me to stay in, I was ready to leave at 10 years. Like for me, I'm a passion person. I'm a, uh, I trust my gut. Uh, I want more out of a situation than just money. So I said, yo, I know I, I have more things to do in this world. Um, this is like stifling me. Yes, I could be successful here. Yes, I've given 10 years, but I know that it's time for me to transition and move on. And there were people telling me all the time that fear speech. Oh, but if you leave, it's going to be so hard. Oh, but if you leave, this is going to happen. Oh, if you leave. And I would just tell myself, hey, that may be true for you, but I'm not afraid of that. I'm willing to walk and lean right into the difficult times because I know that there's something greater on the other side of that. Now, with that, I left because I believe in my ability to to figure it out. And I did have some difficult times, some things I did not anticipate. I had to adapt and be flexible and kind of just figure it out. But in doing so, again, I survived. I figured it out. I seem to always do that. So because of that, I know that I'm no longer afraid of risk. I'm no longer afraid of change. I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think for me at this stage, that's a superpower. And that's kind of what I'm trying to instill into you is that everything you've tried, even with this podcast being amazing, it's scary, but you did it and you're doing it. So, you, you know, you can do it. So once you've done it enough times, you start to have that belief that, yeah, some things are going to get screwed up, but I'll figure it out. That's kind of how, I'm, how I am the way I am. You just said something about your instability in your childhood being something empowering and you turning it into the superpower. And so that made me think of, I'm obviously super grateful for my very, very stable childhood, right? So I come from middle class in Germany, where we still have like a true comfortable middle class, two parents that stayed together, supported me in whatever I wanted to do. Always a good student, you know, always a good girl, quote unquote. And even when I did uncomfortable things that I'm proud of and that I can take as a reference point, like moving to the U.S. by myself when I was 19 and taking a chance and moving to a place I'd never seen before and all of that, I always had sort of a stable support system, right? It's not like I just came here with no money in my pocket. I came here being greeted with a full scholarship and with a whole team and a whole coaching staff around me. So I think obviously kids need stability, in their lives, right? And like, there's so much talk about childhood trauma and how it affects you and how it screws you up for life. But then there's also the flip side of how it bakes this resilience into you and gives you something that you could turn into your superpower. And so these, these lessons of having to be resilient have come later in life for me, right? Like with my basketball career ending with a traumatic knee injury, and then a really bad divorce. And so I had to build that resilience later, but it's not as ingrained into me from my childhood because it was so stable. So it's just interesting, something that just kind of came to me. No, it's true. Um, I remember in grad school, we had a conversation about resilience and they were talking about protective factors for kids. To your point, stable family, you know, stable income. You could, you know, provide a good education for them, uh, provide all these opportunities to get into extracurricular activities and live in a nice community, all these protective factors. But then resilience, where do you build resilience from? Where does that come from? Is that something that's born in you? Is it something you learn as you go? And then with that said, I, I pose the question, is being exposed to a lot of adversity and trauma in your youth a positive? Does that build that resilience in you? And can that be a positive for someone? even though there's some unintended negative consequences that come with it. And I don't think there's research on that, but that's an interesting thought exercise to, to your point. For me personally, I mean, that's kind of like the uh, nature nurture. Someone given my same circumstances may not be where, they, where I am today. So I can't say for certain that that environment, those circumstances will provide this or yield this. But for me, it just happened to work for me. And on the same side for you, 
given your circumstances, it took some other things in life to build that resilience. But we all have similar, a lot of us come from these different um, dynamics. But what makes you successful or me successful versus the next person? That's the the great question. So I don't know. To me, that part is super interesting. I, I'm still pondering that is like, how is it that two people from the same exact circumstance have completely different outcomes? And then it's obviously nuance too, right? There's adversity and then there's adversity, right? So when a kid doesn't know where the next meal is coming from and doesn't know where to sleep next, that's obviously a whole other level where maybe we don't want that to build resilience. But to have some instability could be good. And like you said, it's all individual too. It's an individual tolerance for adversity. It's the personality you're born with. The I, I believe that we have past lives, the baggage that you already bring with you as you enter this new life. So it is super interesting. Also on an individual level, I think one thing I'm proud about for myself is I'm willing to be reflective. I do a lot of self-reflecting and like processing and I'm very introspective. And I try to ask myself questions. Why did I think, why do I think this way? Or why did I think that way then? You know, what, what were the circumstances that led me to that conclusion at that point in time? Because for that, you know, there's a lot of things that I was ashamed of. I think we all have things that we've been ashamed of or embarrassed about or decisions we, we regret or things we would do differently. And I think for me, it's helped my growth being able to forgive myself by being introspective and reflective and saying, hey, at that point in my life, I did the best I knew how to do with the information that I had then. I'm not that person today. So I can't beat myself up today for being that 15-year-old at that time or that 25-year-old at that time. That person was surviving in this crazy world with all the tools they had. And even in mistakes, they did, you know, they did their best. And then I just try to learn from those things and give myself some grace. And that's been a, a thing that's been a great, great, great positive for me. I definitely relate to that. The reflecting on okay at that time I did the best I could with the situation I was in and with the communication skills that I had thinking back on my divorce like there's certainly things I regret and I think there's such a a buzz around live live life without regrets blah 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 but like you can take regret as a positive if I knew then what I know today I would have done it differently and this is what I learned from it so I appreciate that about you and I can relate to that of wanting to reflect of okay what happened there and how can I do it differently in the future speaking of the future so you're not afraid of some of the things that most of us are afraid of right like change and failing you got that resilience that's your superpower so what is something that you are afraid of it's a great question everybody says man I ain't afraid I ain't afraid of nothing I'm gangster but no I'm just trying to think. I know I have some fears. I mean, I think I am afraid of losing people that are really close to me. And I think I'm more aware of that now. Having lost both my parents, you know, my stepfather almost two years ago, and my mother this year, even though we didn't have the greatest relationship, my mother and I, like, I really am grieving our relationship or just having her physically here. So I think about people that I really have strong relationship with, understanding that someday they're not going to be here for whatever reason that is, and how am I going to cope with that? So, you know, I know that I've been through a lot of hardships and I'm strong and I'm resilient, but I don't want to face something like that, even though I know I'm going to have to do that one day. Um, so that's something I'm afraid of is having to face loss like that. Well, you're facing it right now, you know, with losing your your stepdad and your mother. So this is probably going to be another thing where you're like, oh, I survived and this is how I coped and this is how maybe I could cope differently. No, I, I think it's different. And I'll, I'll be vulnerable and honest and tell you why. So my mother and my relationship was very, um, very, very rocky, very, very complicated relationship. A lot of pain, a lot of hurt in our relationship and a lot of things I can't really blame her for. Because remember, people do the best they can with what they have. But those things did affect me, our relationship. But we weren't that close. I know she loved me. I'm her son. But we weren't that close. We didn't have that mother-son relationship that people talk about that, you know, I hear others speak about. We didn't have that. And even with my stepfather, there was a lot of hurt, a lot of history there, complicated relationship, although there was love there. Now, through those relationships, I've processed and healed a lot as an adult. But it's taken me a long time to get to this point. Now I have healthy relationships 
with people that I really am close to and really love deeply. So yes, I'm grieving these people. I am, but it's not going to be the same. I can't imagine waking up and not having someone next to me that I want to be there. I can't imagine what that's like. Or like a uh, brother or a close, close friend. I can't imagine that loss. So yes, I'm grieving, but that's a separate thing because now I'm in a healthy space with healthy relationships that I really, really treasure and care about and appreciate. So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm mindful of and thinking about at times for sure. That makes sense that you don't have that reference point yet of, and I don't either, of losing someone really, really close. Right, I've lost my grandparents when I was a kid and aunts and uncles, but no one like that I was just like in a super, super tight bond with. So I get that fear. And it's probably also the fear of the unknown. You don't know what you don't know, right? So you don't know what that kind of grief is going to feel like. So I, I think it's a valid fear to have. Yeah, because I, I I pride myself on always having like a, a plan or being thoughtful and like having things figured out and having a contingency plan. You know, if this happens, I could do this or I can go these different directions given the circumstances. But in that, what the heck do you do? I don't think there's anything you can prepare for or plan for for that. You just got to be in it. Well, you just took it to a really dark place. No, I'm just kidding. So to pivot from that, you having contingency plans and designing the life you want. What exactly does that look like? Okay, generational wealth, real estate, having a house for you, a house for her. What else does your dream life look like? What What is the life that you are designing and what you're making these plans for? That's the thing for me. It's not what it looks like. It's what, it's, it's what it feels like because I couldn't tell you what it looks like. I just know what I want it to feel like. I want peace. I want freedom of movement. I want to wake up and be excited to wake up. I want to enjoy my days. I want to laugh a lot. Um, I don't want to have the worries about things that we shouldn't have to worry about, like the cost of gas, the cost of milk. I mean, I'm not a, a materialistic person, but it's a tool that we need. So I don't know. I love Florida. I'm in South Florida now, but maybe it's Colorado. Maybe it's London. I don't know. I'm a flexible person. So whatever feels good is the direction that I'm going into. That's interesting that you say that. It's not about what it looks like for you. It's, it's about what it feels like. I just listened recently to a podcast about manifesting. So they had this expert on, on manifesting. And so one of the questions that they asked her was, what do you do when you don't have a dream, when you don't know what you want your future to look like? Her answer was, well, start with what you want it to feel like. How do you want to feel every day? What what makes you happy? You know, what feelings make you happy? So it's interesting that you sort of automatically did that, where it's not about the exact location of the house or the job. It's just about, I want to feel good. I want to feel free. I want to be with people I love. I want to laugh. So there's this simplicity in it. And it's still powerful because you're still putting that energy out into the universe. And that's probably more important than the energy of, I want x number of square feet in my house and it needs to be by the ocean or whatever 100 because to me you can get that house i could say yes i want the mansion here with the lake you know five thousand square feet the two two acre lot yeah i could say i want that but how am i going to feel when i'm there you know i could feel empty in a big ass house or i could feel full in an apartment so it's more about how i feel for me i'm really big on my gut my gut feeling energy, what feels good to me. I don't like to interact with people that have bad energy that drain me, that are negative, pessimistic. You know, I just can't be around that. It's like a drain for me. So with my energy, I, I tend to find myself in spaces with like-minded people with good energy. And by that, I'm exposed to conversations about interesting things and different things. And then that may spark an idea in my head. Or, and then I'm like, damn, well, what about this? And then I'm very curious and adventurous. Why not go to Houston? I love Florida, but I'm not married to the state. I might go to Texas. I don't know. But if it feels right, I'm going to lean into that feeling. And if it doesn't feel right, then I'm going to distance myself from that pretty quickly. Fair enough. When you say like-minded people, could you describe what like-minded people means to you? Yeah, To me, like-minded means willing to be wrong, always willing to learn a new way to look at something, 
an individual or people who are people centered, who care about people first, not about what they do or what they have or where they're from or who their friends and parents are. People who are interested in learning, so lifetime learners, people-centered, optimistic, positive, benevolent, love people who are giving and selfless, fun, like to laugh and joke, have a good time, don't take themselves so seriously. That's kind of like a few characteristics of the people that I, I would love to spend most of my time around. That sounds like a dream to me. I would like to hang out with those people. I'm just asking that question because you have a move down to Florida from New York. When you hear like-minded people, a lot of people, unfortunately, in today's society, make the association with politics, right? Like blue state, red state, all of that. And so up here, you know, Florida gets such a bad rap for, you know, everyone's crazy down there, Florida man, you know, DeSantis, this and that, right? So we're so polarized and we kind of forget sometimes that there's more than politics and whether you vote red or blue, right? So I appreciate that answer of you saying like, it's someone who cares about people, someone who wants to learn, someone who wants to have a good time. And I think we need those reminders more that that's what it's all about. It's about connecting with people. It's not about who you voted for and who I voted for. I understand why people are passionate about politics and democracy is important and going to vote is important, but you know, it comes down to sort of Who's a good person? I mean, 100%. I mean, recently I posted on Instagram that I don't want all my friends to be similar. I don't want them all to be alike in the way they think, you know, the things they're interested in, uh, who they are, where they come from, their goals. I don't want my friends to be one archetype because I'm not that way. I'm complex. And I've realized that even more being exposed to different types of people because we tend to gravitate to familiar. You listen to what I listen to. You look like me. You sound like me. You dress like me. But really meeting different people, you start to realize all the different aspects of you as a person that you can find in other people with their interests. And they look nothing like you, have totally dissimilar backgrounds. So what if a person is a Trump supporter and maybe I'm not a Trump supporter? What the hell does that have to do with who that person is as a person and whether or not we can have a bond or a relationship and learn from each other and enjoy each other's company? If you're willing to hear why I feel the way I feel, and where where my feelings come from to begin with, and I'm willing to understand where you come from and where your feelings come from to begin with, then maybe we can come to an understanding because again, people only do what they do based on the experiences they've had. So there's a reason why a person feels the way they feel, the same way your feelings are valid, my feelings are valid, but let's come to an understanding and then we'll, we probably would find that there's a lot more that we can uh, have in common or find interesting about each other than our views on how we're going to vote. I think that we're too worried about how we're different and being right, that we miss a lot of opportunities just to like be human and like have human experiences with amazing people and just teach each other. Like, how are we going to really teach each other? How is somebody going to know your point of view if you don't engage with people? 100%. You're preaching to the choir. And I think I've said this, I don't know if I've said this on every episode now, but that I, I consider that my greatest gift from coming to New York from a small town in Germany where everybody looked the same. To come to New York, to come to downtown Brooklyn, to meet Margie, a Dominican from Washington Heights, for her to become one of my best, best, longest, most valued friends, and to now sit here with you and have this conversation It's such a gift to me that I have such a diverse group of people that I'm connected with, both what we look like racially, right? Like, and that's important to me for this podcast to amplify all these different voices, different ages, different races, different socioeconomic backgrounds. So that that's sort of the contribution that I'm trying to make here with this, to just hand the mic to everyday people from different backgrounds who obviously have a lot of wisdom to share because you're dropping some good nuggets here. No, and I think what you're doing is amazing. I mean, I've noticed that there are some limitations. I, I, let me step back and say that a difficult lesson for me was understanding that not everybody has the capability of being an open-minded person or changing their view. I used to get really frustrated when I would run into these people who were just laser focused, locked in on this point of view and would not change until I had the uh, realization that they can't change. It's not that they maybe don't want to. They just at this stage, don't. they're not capable. 
And I think it's it's really unfortunate when you come across people that are so steadfast in their beliefs that they're unwilling to even entertain anyone else's perspective. Even if they're not being asked to change your mind, like I'm not here to change your point of view. I just want you to listen to mine, digest it, you know, consider it in your philosophy and just take it and do whatever you will with it. But there are people out there that just will refuse to hear anyone out. And it is the most frustrating thing in the world. And I think it is one of the um, biggest crimes against building relationships, progressing as a society is like being so stubborn. But again, are they stubborn or they just can't do it? Which is also a fantastic opportunity for you to learn and expand, right? For you to then, not that you have to engage with them, but for you to sort of sit with that frustration and anger and not act on it, right? And not judge them and love them anyway and love them with their limited abilities to engage and be open-minded. That's something that I had to really check myself on recently, right? Like if I'm judging this person over here, or getting mad at for their opinion and why they're so rigid in their opinion. Me being mad at it, is that solving the problem? You know, no, it's not. Like the being mad at it is a natural reaction. But then how, what am I going to do with that feeling and how am I going to respond? No, it's true. I mean, you, they're maybe not willing or unable to change. You have to adjust. So that's what I've learned to do is I adjust in those circumstances to the person. I don't change who I am. I just adjust the way that I engage with that person. I, I kind of lower my expectations and just kind of go with, meet them where they are. And I accept people for who they are as long as they they don't cross a disrespectful line. But I respect people for their individualism. I just wish that more people had the ability to. Because I feel like most of the people that cause the issues in our everyday lives are those people that just can't see anyone else's perspective. They're not able to put themselves in anyone else's shoes. And as a result, we're just kind of set back as a result of that. I agree. I was just laughing to myself because I know <laughs> one of your catchphrases is God bless. I know you use that phrase a lot and it's kind of become like a funny catchphrase. But what is your what is your understanding of God? Like, did you have a, a religious upbringing? What do you think of when you, when you hear the word God? Okay, so I'll start from the, the beginning. So my grandmother raised me for the majority of my youth. And she was very hippie style. She was like a hippie. She was really cool. So she would say, she took me to every type of denomination and would say, hey, I want you to experience this, experience that. Whatever feels right for you, that's what you do. So I was never like raised up under one religion. I had the opportunity to experience a little bit of everything and find out what worked for me. And what I found was none of them worked for me. <laughs> and the reason being is uh, I, I saw a lot of hypocrisy in the church, in the churches, you know, what's being preached on Sundays or Saturdays, whatever that day may be, and then what it looks like in the real world. So I'm a real, I watch things and I kind of, I'm very observant and things have to align for me. So that kind of turned me off to organized religion. So for myself, I do believe in a higher power. I, I would consider myself more spiritual than religious. I believe that God could be, depending on where you were born in this country, I mean, in this world, is the way you call whoever your God is or however you worship has a lot to do with your geography. So for me, um, I believe there's something more powerful than us. It could be the universe. It could be God. I do believe in that. I consider that often I don't know what happens when we leave here, but I think it's got to be something because energy has to go somewhere. So, so I would say I'm spiritual. I do believe for sure. I do have my personal relationship with whatever that might be, that power that's out there. And um, I use that as a guide, but I don't subscribe to any book. Yeah, that makes sense. No, totally makes sense. I think you're going to appreciate this sort of thought. It's like one of those things that I've been pondering that I don't really have an answer to, right? But like, where's that balance between there's a higher power, which I believe in also. So, you know, life is going to happen a certain way. So we don't control everything. But at the same time, we do. So that's that's something that I always grapple with. So we are the captain of our own ship. But at the same time, we have no control over what kind of waves are we going to be hit with, where that ship is going at the end of the day. It's one of those, it's a paradox. Because to make things happen for your life, you have to get active and you have to put energy out there and you have to make plans and you can't just wait for life to happen. But at the same time, you have to just let life happen. What's your take on that? No, you're right. I have this conversation with some of my friends who are more religious. And I think about this too. And I say, for anyone, I say, if you have faith 
any faith, whether it be in God, the universe, whatever, then wouldn't you, wouldn't that faith tell you that you are where you're exactly supposed to be? Because if you, if you fight against where you are today and say, well, I don't think I should be where I'm at today, then are you questioning that faith? Because if you believe in a higher power, you are where you're supposed to be and you will end up where you're supposed to end up. The story is written. So do we have free will? Do we not? That's the, that's the grand question, right? So yes, we have decision-making ability. We have will to do things in a moment, but how did we get here? We didn't choose our parents. We didn't choose where we were born. We didn't choose the circumstances. We didn't choose whether we were born with all our limbs or not, whether we were born with all of our senses or not. These were the cards that we were all dealt. Who dealt the cards? So based on that, you know, if you have faith, you got to believe, at least I feel, I tell myself, and I have conversations with people that I care about, is when we're questioning where we are, go back to the faith if you have some and say, if I have faith, do I believe that I'm where I'm supposed to be based on that? And if I do, then there's a reason that I'm here. Just like there was a reason I was where I was before here, and I'm heading somewhere even if I can't see it. I just have to have faith that I'm going to end up where I'm supposed to. So that's kind of like my take on faith and things like that as far as free will and what happens next and how do we get here? What can we control? We don't control anything. But at the same time, you're making plans. Yeah, but my plans don't mean anything. We make plans, but it's not its not up to us. We're, we're one small thing in this world. And I think part of the, the stress that we have as a human is the need for control. Oh, 100%. We, we think we have control over the... Everything. You want to have control over your kids. You want to have control over your pet. You want to have control over your partner. You want to control your coworkers. You want to control your environment. You don't control anything but yourself. And that's a, a tough pill to swallow. And it's very stressful for people who don't accept it. I do my best to remind myself that I have no control, even though I make all these plans. No, I get that. And it's funny because I don't need that reminder of you exactly where you need to be and life is unfolding exactly as it should be unfolding when something big happens to me i can ac accept those things when you know i had my bad knee injury and my basketball career ended way too early i'm like okay well i'm sure that's how it was supposed to happen and i'm going to move on from it and then now 10 12 years later i can sort of see how it led me to the next step and all of that right or the divorce i can see why that needed to happen how it happened but it's I think the ability to apply that faith and to not be stressed about everything and the little things in life, I think that's where the magic sauce is, right? Like I'm over here stressing out about is New York still the right place for me, you know, and what do I need to do to figure that out? And so sometimes it's just okay just to take a step back and be like, I'm exactly where I need to be and I will figure it out and I'm not in control anyway. So what am I so worried about and stressing about? So let me ask you something. Let me flip the question on you. Do you trust yourself? Great question. That's actually something that I've worked on um, with my coach that I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's trust. I trust myself that I'm resilient and I'm capable and whatever life throws at me, I can handle, but I don't necessarily believe in myself. The way I believed in myself when I always use this, I always use my basketball career as a reference point. Yes, I'm 6'8". Like, yes, I was born with a decent amount of athletic talent. So it's not like it came from nowhere. But I was in, in a small town in a country where basketball is not a major sport. And so I had to make a lot of sacrifices and pursue my dream and believe in my dream without having any guarantee that it would come true. And it did come true. I've been saying like, I miss having that, that faith in myself to just go for something. And I think that's tied to maybe not having a clear dream. What is my dream? I don't know. So, cause I'm very good at pursuing a dream, but I'm, I don't know. I don't necessarily trust myself that I am living life to the fullest. That is my biggest fear in life is to waste time here and to waste the potential that I was given and to waste the ability that God universe spirit has given me and just sit here and waste time. So there's that. When I'm saying trust, it's not about belief. When I'm saying trust, I'm saying, do you trust yourself? Do you trust your judgment? And the reason I say that is a lot of the stress that we can feel is when we're not sure about our decisions or our choices. And if you don't trust your decision making, 
making big decisions and making even smaller decisions could be a very stressful. Just navigating life in general, if you're second guessing if your decisions were right, and if you don't know if you're capable of making really good, sound decisions for yourself, not you in general, just generally speaking. So when I'm asking you, I'm really asking, do you trust your judgment? God, that's a good question. Or your instincts? Now, now you're hitting on something. I don't think I'm as connected to my instincts as I would like to be. You're saying you're very gut-based. I feel like I need to be in a position where my back is up against the wall to be tapped into that intuition and my instinct and trust my gut. So when I'm in a comfortable place like I am right now, and I don't necessarily have to make a decision because my back is not up against the wall, there's no big thing prompting me to make a decision either way, right? There's not the big dream of, do you want to go for this or not? Like I had when I was faced with a decision, like, do you want to move to the US for this basketball scholarship? Or do you want to stay in Germany where it's safe? Or it could swing negative where it's, okay, here's this big crisis. What are you going to do with it? In those cases, I trust my instincts. But when it comes to the little things, am I in the right job? Should I move jobs? Should I leave New York? All those things, I'm not connected to my gut and it is causing a lot of stress because then I'm in my head and then I spin in my head. So to answer your question, no, on a day-to-day basis with the small things, I don't necessarily trust my decision-making, which is why I don't necessarily make decisions. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't have any language for it, but something just did not feel right? Yes. Did you listen to that voice or that feeling? Yes, I did. Now, have there been circumstances or situations where you felt that feeling and didn't listen to that feeling and why? Yeah, I think, again, right, that feeling when I listened was because I had to listen. But there have been situations where "Mm, this doesn't quite feel right, but it's it's not so wrong that there is action needed immediately. So take New York City, for example. This doesn't quite feel right anymore because where do I find peace and fulfillment and happiness in nature? So why am I sitting in the in the concrete jungle? The question I don't know. So that's one of the the things I've been grappling with. Like a recent example, like it doesn't quite feel right anymore. And then you ask, why not act on that feeling? I think the push is not big enough either way. So there's no, you know, I hate it here and I need to leave here. But there's also no, oh, I wish I could be in this place whatever that place may be. Again, I'm better at letting the universe take me places and trusting that than me myself making the move. That's interesting you say the universe taking you places and we just had a conversation about making decisions. It's like the gut feeling. I trust myself 100%. I trust myself wholeheartedly. I trust my gut that I'll make a decision that won't hurt me. Not with that said, I'm not saying that every decision won't come with discomfort and some pain and some sacrifice. You can make the right decision and it'll be a difficult decision and a painful decision, but it's the right decision. I trust the gut because I I look at it this way. Our brain and our body is so evolved and it's like the world's most powerful processing tool. So basically our brains and our body can take out millions, millions of stimuli, process all this data, reference it against all of our past experiences, whether it be personal or what we've learned from others, and then come up with an output. Hey, based on all this algorithm, this doesn't feel right. What we do though, is we feel that feeling and we, we know that we acknowledge it, but then we try to like dismiss it and push it away. Then we try to intellectualize that feeling. Then we try to say, well, yeah, I know this doesn't feel right, but but I don't really need to change. And it's not that bad where I'm at, but really your compass already told you to make a move. So you got, if you trust your your um, evolution and you trust that, then you would ask yourself law of nature, right? Okay, what's the number one law of nature? Self-preservation. So if your gut is telling you to move in a direction, is telling you that for your own survival, not because it wants to experience Miami. Yes, I can survive here. Yes, I can live in this circumstance. I can do this. I've done it. I can adapt, but it doesn't feel good anymore. It's time for me to move myself somewhere else. That's why I tell you, for me, it's about feeling. My feeling, my gut is my compass. When I feel good, I stay. If it feels really good, I really want to stay. 
and build on this. But if it doesn't feel good, I'll start to pivot and move. And I trust that feeling is there to protect me, even if I can't like put it into words or, or, or attach like the full context to what I'm feeling. I just go off of that. And I use that energy with people. Same thing. I meet a person. We have a lot in common. They're funny. Energy is bad. Gut feeling is something. That's not the person for me. But if I intellectualize, I can say, man, that guy was funny, man. Or that that person was really cool. We have similar interests. And now I'm talking myself into a relationship or getting to know or spending time or sharing energy with a person when my gut is telling me to move in a different direction. Job, same thing. City location, same thing. That's why, you know, I asked that question, whether or not you trust yourself or your or your judgment or that gut instinct. And I appreciate you challenging me because it's definitely something I think being in touch with my feeling and going off of that is a new thing for me in the grand scheme of my life. The first time I ever really consciously went 100% based on my gut was when, you know, I made the decision with my ex-wife to to not go through with an embryo transfer when we were trying to have a baby, which then that decision and the way I communicated it ultimately resulted in a very difficult divorce. But I don't regret making that decision because it was so, and it's hard to put in words, but it was just so loud and clear of just, this is what you need to do right now. And it's the only right decision right now, right? So that was probably the first time that I couldn't intellectualize it away. And I couldn't, and I wasn't in my head. Because you're right. Even before we started recording, we were talking a little bit, bit about me being in New York. So yeah, I, I say, okay, I can find happiness here. And I can see it as a challenge to you know build up my internal happiness and become more solid and all of that. And maybe that's true. But at the end of the day, what do I feel? Does it feel right here? I think I easily get kicked out of that connection to my feeling. And probably like most people, I get kicked into my head easily. And looking at a problem or a situation from that intellectual standpoint and letting, you know, ego and fear and reasoning and buts and because my coach always says your buts and becauses will cost you your life. And I think that's such a, a good, powerful saying. So I've been doing a lot of budding and becausing when it comes to being in New York or even being in in the nine to five. I mean, this has been a constant thing for me for probably ever since my basketball career ended, to be honest with you. Not necessarily. So basketball career ended and I jumped right into pursuing a degree and going to grad school. So I was very happy during that period of my life. I'm always happy pursuing something. But once I hit that status quo, that nine to five life in New York, I think ever since then, there's been a little bit of a nagging, like, is that, is that all there is to life? Right. And then I think I talk it away with what, well, but just be grateful for what you have, you know, and you have a great, which is also valid. It's important to be grateful for what you have and to be in the moment and to not always be like, oh, where else do I need to go? But it's also important to acknowledge when something doesn't feel right anymore. So it's nuanced, it's complex. But yeah, I do appreciate you challenging me to to ask myself, do, you know, do I trust myself? It, it's We had the conversation earlier. It's the fear of loss. Everybody has fear of change for the most part. You know, change is scary. The unknown is terrifying. But staying stagnant and knowing there's more, even if you can't explain what it is or, or pinpoint what that might is, but you have that feeling. That that's pretty painful to never even pursue that. What else is out there? It's that fear of loss versus potential gain. So it's kind of just developing that courage. I mean, we talked about it a lot, you know, earlier is risk, being willing to take risks, trusting that you'll figure it out and that you'll be okay, that you have the tools that you need, and being okay with it being painful in the process. I think sometimes for us, uh, when we're thinking about making changes or major decisions we're always worried about making executing it perfectly so like minimizing all risks like all damage we just reduce all risk of damage and pain and when we make this big life change it's going to be perfect it's going to be exactly the way we want it we're going to be happy it's going to work out instead of that just being okay with hey man this may be a complete shit show 
But somehow there'll be some beautiful lesson, um, some beautiful adventure that comes with this shit show that I have to deal with. And as we know, you know, it rains, the sun comes back out. So, yeah, you may have some difficulty with a life change or a big decision or taking a risk. But eventually you will come out on the other side of it and you'll come out often much better than you were before. And that's the beautiful thing about life is that we don't know where it's headed. We don't know what's around the corner, but we know whatever it is, it's going to be ugly, but then it's going to be beautiful. It's true. It's interesting because I don't think, I don't even think I'm afraid of it being a shit show or it being hard. I don't know what I'm afraid of. I don't know why I'm not moving, right? That's that's the part I don't know because at the end of the day, I just said to you earlier, my biggest fear is to not fulfill my potential. So there's only one way to fulfill your potential is to try out new things and push yourself out of the comfort zone. I am aware of the fact that I have been staying in my comfort zone. I can't tell you why necessarily because I'm not that afraid of it being a shit show. So that's another thing for me to maybe do some journaling or some therapy or some coaching around this my biggest fear is being stuck and not living life to the fullest but my actions don't reflect that right because if i were so scared of not living life to the fullest why don't i let that fear motivate me to go and live life to the fullest because you only know what you know right now yeah. so you're just operating based on what you know today and that's how life works Same shit. I think about it all the time. I mean, my path is not a conventional path. It's not even one I would recommend for other people. It just has happened to work for me for what I consider working. You know, there's people who say maybe it doesn't work, but for me, it works. It, the challenge, I guess, for me is to continually, I try to tell myself not to compare myself to others. I think we do that a lot. And also the goals that we're supposed to have weren't given. We didn't, they were given to us. Like the ideals that we're supposed to pursue and the life we're supposed to want and the things we're supposed to desire were given to us. It's not really unique to us. It was given. So we have to like, as individuals, try to be willing to figure out what we want, whatever that might be, like kind of deconstruct this way of thinking. And I have to do that stuff all the time. I'm like, damn, if I would have stayed in the Air Force, I have like seven houses by now. <laughs> Easy. But I don't. But guess what? There's a lot of other great things that I would have never experienced and a lot of healing I probably wouldn't have been able to do had I not. So yes, I don't have the material things, but I have some other great things and that's my path. Mm -hmm. And I'm still trying to figure out what's next. I don't know. I have this grand plan, but who knows? It could be a complete pivot. The way you're phrasing it, of I'm, I'm operating based on what I know, that's totally true. I think I'm, a, I'm more of a past-oriented person than a future-oriented person. I did this this meditation this morning, this Dr. Joe Dispenza. I think I sent you one of his books once. He's all about envisioning your future self. And I have such a hard time with that. I can, I can like feel the feelings of my past all day long, reflect on the past, learn from it, appreciate it, heal it. But when it comes to being future oriented, I have a hard time. And like I said, ever since that dream of, I want to be a, a basketball player or I want to be a school psychologist or I want to create generational wealth. Whatever that thing is that drives you, I haven't had a clear vision like that ever since I had the dream of becoming the best basketball player I could be. So when that ended, I think I've just been visionless in life. I think that's a big struggle for me that I'm not future oriented and it's hard for me to create a vision. So I have a question for you. Well, this is my observation. I'm interested in your perspective on it. I feel like now with social media and the internet, life has become so much more complicated for people and so much more difficult to find your purpose. I feel like that's the buzzword of the last couple of decades is got to find my why, my purpose. Like the generations that came before us weren't as concerned with that. They were concerned with family being in the house, raising your family, community, things like that. But now it feels like we're all being conditioned to worry about our purpose. And in doing that, we're always questioning if we're doing the right thing with our life. Like, am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I doing enough? Am I not reaching my highest potential? Am I, am I not vibrating at this frequency? Like all this shit and all this pressure that we're just being conditioned again to not be happy. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts about that? No, I 100% agree. I always say that like life used to be 
simpler. And I don't know if it's social media or just the times or where we're supposed to go next as, as a species and we're being pushed to grapple with other things. But yeah, you know, one, two generations ago, you went to the, the club and you saw someone you like, you went on a couple of dates, you married them, you had a couple of kids, worked hard to maybe build a house and that's it. And you were fine with that. There was not this big, oh, you know, am I doing enough? What's my purpose? Am I wasting potential? So I, I totally hear you. And that on the other hand, people stepping into their purpose, whatever that looks like, it's so healing for the world. Again, it's one of those tricky things. I don't know. I feel like that's it's a beautiful idea. And I think it is it is true for the lucky few that really are tapped in and just find themselves doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing or believe that they're exactly where they're supposed to be. But for uh, the masses, I think it's very like debilitating. I feel like it's very stressful. It's anxiety provoking that people can't find peace and joy in where they are because they're not where they're supposed to be. You know, it's this constant pursuit of where am I supposed to be? So your entire being, you're in this constant state of like anxiety because you haven't reached this Zen level of like connection to whatever your purpose is. And I feel like, you know, back then it, it was simpler times and I, I just feel bad for people. And then not only that, People only show you what they want you to see. So we're in a world of comparison, but yet we're only seeing people's commercials. So yet every day we're comparing our lives and our feelings about our lives and our feelings about our careers and where we are in life to what people say is exactly where they want to be, living and feeling exactly how they've always wanted to live and feel. And we always can find ourselves feeling empty, less than, without. And the truth is most people are having the conversations that you and I are having or in pursuit of what you and I are pursuing, what are we here for? <laughs> is this it? Is that it? And I feel like if most people, if we knew that, if we weren't in this constant like commercial, uh, we'd all be a little bit happier. It's true. I think that's where, if I really think about when I consume social media and as much as I would like to say it doesn't affect me, but of course, when I'm scrolling through and I see the travel influencers, right? And the, oh, I quit my nine to five and now look at me. I'm so happy. I make my own schedule and I'm living the life I'm supposed to be. And even the person that inspired me to start a podcast, oh, you can make money doing a podcast. Everything is always about I don't know, making money and and live your purpose. So I, I really have to always like bring it back to maybe my purpose is just to, again, like if you have faith, whatever you're doing, that's your purpose. My purpose is to sit here right now with you and discuss life's difficult questions. One thing my brother always would say, and I love that, so I keep it with me all the time, is your perspective is valuable and only you can have it. Like only you have it. You're, you're unique. You're a one of one. No other person in this world has your perspective. It's unique. So it's your per your responsibility to share it. Now, the medium you choose, that's up to you. But there's a lot of power in your perspective. And you may not see the fruits of, uh, of the seeds that you're planting by doing this, but I'm sure that it's connecting with people and everything you've done. You being you and just putting yourself into the world is your purpose. Now, I don't know if that's going to fit, like make you happy, but that's definitely a, a powerful thing from your perspective. I appreciate that. Yeah, another good saying that I think my coach said to me, this first half of the year was probably the first time I really experienced the feeling of depression. And he always likes to say that depression is a lack of expression. And that really resonates with me because when you're not sharing yourself, when you're not, when you don't feel like you're contributing and when you just kind of sit in here and feel like your perspective doesn't matter, then you don't express. That just reminded me of that, that the, the sharing is important and the expressing is important and you never know who's going to resonate with it. All right. I have no idea how long we've been talking, but I feel like it's been a while. So let's wrap it up. And I've decided I'm going to end every podcast by asking my guest the same question from now on. And that question is, what is your greatest gift to the world? Damn, you got to come with these amazing questions. My greatest gift. I don't know. I don't like answering questions like that. 
personally, because I feel like there are other people who could describe what my gift might be better than I can. But for your show, I'll take a crack at it. I would say my greatest gift to the world is my ability to connect with people, no matter where they come from, no matter what their age is. I can find, I have a gift of finding a common thread with a person and being able to connect with a person pretty short in a short amount of time on a deep level. And I feel like I'm able to leave people feeling better, more inspired, more confident than they were before our interaction. See, that wasn't so hard. It was hard. You did it. And I, if it matters at all to you, I would sign off on all those things 100%. And this question is really meant for people to toot their own horn and feel empowered. And because I, I think sometimes we get bogged down and, and especially for people who always try to try to improve and develop and work on ourselves. Sometimes we forget that we already have these gifts and the world needs our gifts. That's what I personally believe. With that being said, thank you for sharing that gift with me today because I did feel very connected. And I do think that a lot of your words are going to hit home with people who are listening today. So thank you again for making the time to come on and have this conversation with me. Thank you. It was a pleasure.